Amen. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you tonight for this opportunity to study your word. We ask you now, speak to our hearts and help us and reveal truth that makes us free in Jesus' name. Amen. John 18, verse 36, Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. He said, he answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And so we've been in this series uh, called True or False. And we know that Jesus stated that truth was the reason that he came. All right, pretty, uh, it's a pretty um, uh, important statement, pretty deep statement when Jesus said, this is why I came, to bear witness to truth. And what we've seen in our modern times is uh, believers, and especially those outside of the church, wanting to put on us the emphasis that the only thing we do, only thing we can think about is to be compassionate towards those who are hurting, those who are suffering, and to get us to back away from standards of truth. Although we do want to do the first, we absolutely don't want to give up the second. All right? We are not just, as a church, about humanitarian efforts, although we are. We are first and foremost about proclaiming the truth. Because if I help you, and I feed you, and I help you in many, many natural ways, but yet I don't give you the truth, then I'm really not doing you any good. We've got to recognize that the most important thing is a person's spiritual life. And if the natural life helps us to get to a person's spiritual life, then good, so be it. We do have physical lives to deal with here on the earth. But let us never get things out of order and out of place. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And what is spiritual is first. And it is the most important thing. And so in this series, it's my desire to help every one of us to be able to know what's right and what's wrong. To be able to accurately discern what's true and what's false. If someone brings a a spiritual statement to you or a standard for life or they say this is the way things are. You and I ought to be able to say, okay, I see that, yeah, that's true, and no, that's not true. How many know, though, just because you know someone's making a statement that's not true doesn't mean that you necessarily correct them every time? You know what I'm saying? I mean, many times people have said things to me, and they weren't asking me if I agree. They weren't asking me what I thought, so I just listened. And just because you don't necessarily say, you know what, you're really wrong about that, doesn't mean, uh, you know, that you're consenting to their error. You've got to look for the right opportunity. People have a mind. People have things that they're looking for. And sometimes you come out and you just blast people with their error, with your truth, and it comes across the wrong way, and they don't receive it. Sometimes it pushes them further away from the truth than they were to begin with. That's why, you know, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 that as believers we should grow up and one of the things we should do is speak the truth in love. Not just speak the truth, speak the truth in love. In other words, don't just let this be your rationale. Well, what I said was true. 
There's a lot of true things that shouldn't be said. <laughs> There's a lot of truth that needs to be tempered with grace. Let our speech be full of grace and seasoned with salt. As the Scripture says, we need to look for wisdom in the right way, and the right timing to proclaim truth. All right? And so, and here's another, uh, another thing. I have a, an urgency all the time for people to be saved. And, and there is something in my mind that says, if I'm talking to you and I have an opportunity and we, it seems, you know, we're, we're discussing the gospel, you know, let's say you're not saved. I think I have this mindset, well, he could die today. I got to get this out. Here's what we must watch out for, though, that that doesn't become something that leads us by fear. Because, you know, the truth is most people aren't going to die today. If, it's, if there is an urgency, I believe the Lord can give that to us. Say, don't wait with this one. Don't wait. This is, the t this is the time. And we need to watch for those opportunities. Right? Because sometimes the Lord will lead you to go talk to a relative. Or lead you to talk to someone. And you think, well, why? Why, why does this seem so urgent? He knows. They could die in a week. Know what I'm talking about? So there are those times when it's urgent, but they're at the, right at the same time, there are other opportunities where you don't have to push someone all the way today. Most people get saved through a relationship, and that takes time. There are times when you should share truth with a person, cold turkey. Hey, how's it going? By the way, <laughs> and that could be the right thing, but I, I think most of the time, when the Lord leads us to share truth with people, we ought to be patient at the same time. Let a person digest. Let a person consider your, your, your words and consider what you're saying. And sometimes you just say it to them that way. You might not be willing to, you know, just accept this all at once and just change your life immediately. But would you consider it? Would you consider and think about the things that, 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 I'm, that I'm sharing with you? And let them see that you're a reasonable person, not a pushy person. Because, you know, to tell you the truth, the Lord doesn't push people to make decisions. Hmm. He presents and he convicts. He's got that skill where he can draw people. But take time with people. I don't know. I, none of this I plan to say at all. This is just stuff. <laughs> Uh, but I believe it's, uh, it's, it's godly and, and right and wisdom. Take time with people. Now, don't use that as a cop-out. 20 years down the road, you sure still haven't told, well, I'm just prepping them. <laughs> just, <laughs> just prepping them to receive the Lord. They're done prepped, all right? <laughs> they know you. The relationship is established. If it's not, they don't like you. <laughs> and, uh, and you might not get anywhere uh, by waiting any longer, so... Ultimately, the answer, of course, is be led by the Spirit, but we should be aware of how He leads us at times. Otherwise, we'll miss His leading. We're not recognizing that sometimes He'll have us do things in different ways. Amen. Amen. I know uh, I'm thinking of, you're who I'm thinking of, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of different people who have come into church at different times, and, and some get saved right away. I mean, first time they walk in, may happen to some here tonight. First time you've ever been here, some first time they've ever been in church. They walk into a service, we give an altar call, they give their lives over to the Lord. 
And then there are others that come for a while. And they listen, and they're not really opposed. They're just listening. I'm checking this out. They're, thinking, they're considering it. They're not a bad person. They're literally thinking and, and, and giving time. And then over a period of time, all of a sudden, hand goes up. And they receive the Lord. Amen. Different ways. I bet we'd have a lot of different testimonies if we went around the room. So how'd you come to the Lord? How'd you get saved? Some of us would say it was grandma. Some of us would say it was in church. You know, I heard of a guy. Uh, I mean, I'm not even, I got to hurry up. I'm not even time to reach my message. This is fine. No, I just want to be led. But uh, I heard of a person this week. I'm looking around to see who's here in case the person's here who told me the story. Uh, but they came to one of our healing meetings and got healed. Not saved, but healed. <laughs> I mean, literally, a, a dramatic miracle, just a powerful thing. And, uh, but they weren't saved. And, and I was asking the people in our church, so what about so-and-so? Did you get them saved yet? No. <laughs> and uh, anyway, they were looking for that opportunity to do so. And finally, when they got to a place where they talked to them and, and were going to lead them to the Lord... Uh, he said, well, I've, I've already done that now. He said, I got in my, I had, I got this Bible in the front of it. They, so they had a, in the front of it was a, a prayer of salvation. He said, it was right there. It was real easy. I prayed and I received the Lord. <laughs> I thought, well, that's nice. You know, I, I've always heard, I've always heard, cause I've been to Latin America on a number of occasions, uh, on mission trips. And I've always, I don't have a, official stat but I've always been told by uh, those who live there missionaries who live in Mexico and different places that in that part of the world there's a tremendous amount of people who get saved with tracks which I don't know if that's the case here some do but probably I don't think it's a high number you know gospel tracks that show people the plan of salvation and some of them scare them out of hell and you know what I'm talking about <laughs> and uh, there's all different kinds but in certain parts of the world certain methods work really well and people pick those up and read them, and they pray the prayer and get saved. So what do you think? I think, however, it needs to happen. It's not about us getting the credit and us getting a notch on our belt. I got another one. No, it's about how many people are going to be there. How many people are going to answer the call? Amen. Amen. Truth. Truth. And so we've talked about a lot of things in this series. And... Again, I want to help people to know what's true and what's false so we can recognize it. You remember we said that truth is not self-contradictory. You can't say two opposing things and say, well, they're both right. It's not logical. You know, we said that truth is not relative. It's not about what you think. It's not about what's, what's true to you. It's about what's true to God <laughs> it's, and how it applies to you. Yeah, we said that truth is Jesus. We explained why that was the case. He said, I am the truth, and we uh, laid some of that out. We said that truth is the, uh, is the word of God. Jesus said, John 17, 17, Father, he said to the Father, your word is truth. All right? And so we know the word of God is true. We talked about how truth is just. Truth is right. It's the right thing to do. It's the just thing to do. I want you to look at 2 Peter with me. Again, if you have your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3. And let's take this a little bit further today. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3. Notice with me down here in verse 16. This is Peter, of course. Peter wrote Peter. 
That might say, well, isn't that logical? Well, no, Philemon didn't write Philemon. <laughs> right? Ephesus didn't write Ephesians. But Peter did write Peter. Okay, you just got to know some of these things. But Peter was talking about Paul. Peter talked about Paul, and he said in verse 16, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of, thing, of these things, in which some are hard to understand. What, what's Peter saying? Peter's saying, Paul is confusing. <laughs> he said he did. He said some of the stuff that Paul's write, Paul writes, man, that is hard to understand. <laughs> well, he said, which, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they also do the rest of the Scriptures. I, I think that's real interesting. What happens with... He said, people who are untaught and unstable, they twist what he says, and they do it with the rest of the Scriptures too. What's the result? Destruction. In other words, it does not serve us to be untaught. When it comes to spiritual stuff, the Word of God, the ways of God, all the things that he says and does, it doesn't do, it doesn't do us any good to be ignorant of that stuff. In fact, it could result in destruction. You know, the Old Testament scripture in Hosea 4, said, the Lord said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Here, see here, he said, the untaught and the unstable, they take the things that Paul wrote and the rest of the scriptures and they twist them. It doesn't seem to me here that the twisting is done as a result of maliciousness or, dis, or guile in this case, because there are others that do do it that way. But in this case, there are people that twist the word, and it messes up their life, but the reason they twist it is because they're untaught, and because they're unstable. And so it would do us well to place a high priority on understanding the word of God. In other words, I want to be a taught person, an instructed person concerning the ways and the will of God, basically I could say it this way, concerning truth. Because when I know truth, I'm going to recognize when something's not true. And I'm not going to receive it in my life. You know what I'm talking about. If you were, um, if you were to be at a restaurant, and, and uh, I like to go to restaurants, but anyone who's ever given thought to this, this could be a great fear. That there's some idiot in the kitchen who has a 10-second rule. If you were to know... I don't like it when restaurant owners are laughing. <laughs> no, they would never do that. Oh, it's five seconds, sorry. <laughs> but how many know, if a person knew that their steak had been on the floor, they wouldn't receive it. Why? They would say, uh, no thanks. Or if there was... Someone, you know, breaking the rules and, and preparing your food with dirty hands or something. Or if there was some kind of bacteria or something, you would go, no thank you, right? But ha has a person ever gotten sick from eating bad food? Yeah. Why did they eat it? I mean, wasn't that dumb? I mean, why in the world would they eat bad food? Why would you eat something with... 
E. coli or, or something. What? Salmonella. Something like that in the food. Why would you do that? Because you didn't know that it was in there. But if you knew, you would be more picky with what you let come in your mouth. And the same thing is true concerning words we receive. What we believe to be right about God and His plan for our life. We would never swallow a bunch of junk if we knew it was junk. And I tell you what, every one of us have. At some point in our life, we've all eaten some garbage spiritually. And it has hurt us. It has worked destruction in our lives. So what's priority? I need to be taught. I need to be stable so I don't twist the Word of God because of my ignorance and instability. And it worked destruction in them. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of of the wicked. Wow. He said, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. In other words, there's a possibility that we could, they're, they're believers, that we could be led away by the error of the wicked. There are some who are in error, and there's a possibility you and I could be led away. What was the solution here? He said, grow in grace and knowledge. In other words, the more I grow in the grace of God and in the knowledge of God, the more I go, I'm not eating that. You kidding me? I'm not eating that. I saw that cook. He didn't even wash his hands. I'm not eating that. I I recognize those words. I recognize where they come from. They're contrary to the way my God is. But if I don't know the way my God is, and can I tell you, yikes, there's a whole bunch of believers who fit in that category. They are just really gullible. There are too many believers who they're just like the brand new bird in the nest, little birdies, just whatever their mom, mama bird comes and drops in, they're just going to swallow it and eat it. And we've got to be more discerning. We've got to be mindful of what's true and what's false so we allow in what's good and keep out what's wrong you know the main strategy that satan has against the church and against you as a child of god is not just a full wide open attack where he just shows up and says Bring it, you know, and he just wants to knock you out. That's not the way he approaches. He doesn't show up on your doorstep with pitchfork, you know, tail. Or just saying, hey, I'm the devil. I'm here to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm here to mess mess your life up. That's not the way. He doesn't try to just overpower people. He doesn't just try to, you know, right open intimidate people. You know what the main strategy he uses is deception. 
the main way that the enemy moves into a person's life or keeps them away from God to begin with is through lies. It's through deceit. We are told in Revelation 12 and verse 9, it speaks of him. It says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. What does he call? He's called the person who deceives the whole world. He's a snake. He, he, he's, he, he's full of guile and he's full of deceit. And that is his main strategy against, against us, not just to overpower us. If you read the New Testament now, and you read all the various writers, you look from Jesus to Paul to Peter uh, to John, and uh, a lot of the New Testament writers, one thing that I find interesting is they're all telling us to watch out. They're all telling us to beware. When Jesus spoke of the last days, he spoke of false prophets. He, he spoke of uh, wrong things and wrong people and wrong sayings and wrong doctrines. And, 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 and the apostles, again, they repeatedly were warning the groups that they went to. Paul went to Ephesus and he stayed with them for a few years and then warned them. He said, when I leave, I've got to tell you, there's some ravenous wolves that are going to come in. There's some people that are going to come in here to try to, to, try to tear this thing apart. He even, went with, he even spoke with tears saying, watch out. It's something that we in our day should be aware of that that is still, I mean, these are the last days. This is the time that the Bible's prophesying to us that these things would happen. This would be one of the characteristics of our day that there would be a whole lot of deceit. There would be a whole lot of false statements to try to convince people to go a different way. To really lead them away from the Lord and the way of truth. Ultimately to bring destruction. And so believing what is false or following false leaders can be very detrimental to the life of a believer. And absolutely to the life of the local church. you, you got to watch out sometimes for those who want to convince you that they are something, something spiritual. They, they, they want to persuade you that they have some type of anointing or gift, that they are all that in some regard. That they're just convincing you, no, really, God, God has called me. No, really, I am, I am anointed. I, and they label themselves with certain gifts. They label themselves with certain positions so that you'll accept them into your life and receive their words. I've always thought, shouldn't a person's words or ministry stand up by itself? Should, wouldn't it be wiser to let somebody else give you a, a title or recognition or a position as opposed to, this is what I am, you need to recognize me. I, I, I kind of lean towards, I'm more concerned about what's in the can than what the label says. Because things could be mislabeled. And that can be true when it comes to leaders. 
When it comes to spiritual leaders, sometimes people just want a place. You want to rec you need to recognize me. No, I don't. Show me the goods. Prove yourself faithful. Show yourself to be of character and of substance. And show me that there's a call and there's an anointing on your life. Then I'll label you. Then I'll call you something nice and something good. But as far as just, I'm this, accept me. No. Hmm. I don't know what you're doing in the kitchen. And I want to see. I want to see the. I want to see the results of what's happening. Amen. And so we should now, as believers, expect to encounter false teachings in our day. We should not, for a moment, think, "Oh, that was then." They had these false teachers going around. They had these false prophets. They had this and that going around. I mean, we're safe here today. I mean, because we have the internet, we can check things out. You know, if anything, we're more more vulnerable. And the Lord again said by inspiration that these things would be true concerning our time, concerning our day. And so we should expect to run into false teaching, to false doctrine, and uh, those who don't think that way, those who say, you know, that. That could never happen to us. That could never happen to me. You are the most vulnerable of all of us. The person who thinks it never could happen. Truth is, it's happened to someone probably smarter than you. Smarter than me. And we must be on guard according to the Word of God. That tells us to be on guard and to be aware. If we're told, I'm just thinking, this is how I think. If I'm told to be aware to be on guard, to be watchful for these things, and I'm not, I'm in trouble. Those things were not spoken or written for no purpose. If I'm told to be aware and be on guard, and yet I don't have my guard up, I'm not in somewhat of a defensive mode concerning false sayings and false truths, which are really not truths, then I am vulnerable to fall for stuff. Amen. So you sounds like we should be in fear of this. <laughs> no, not in fear, aware. Eyes wide open. Amen. Don't treat it like an engagement. You know what people do during engagement. <laughs> they are perfect in every way. There's nothing wrong with them. Until they get married. Ah. <laughs> the wedding is a dream. And the marriage is the alarm clock. <laughs> look, at, look at Galatians chapter 3 with me. Galatians chapter 3. Why would someone not obey the truth? Look at this, Galatians 3 and verse 1. It says, oh, foolish Galatians. How'd you like someone to write you a letter? <laughs> oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Some, one translation says, oh, stupid Galatians. Yeah. 
Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ, Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. In other words, they were not obeying the truth. Why? Because they were bewitched. They were tricked. They were beguiled. He said, who has done this to you? Why would someone not obey? Well, because they were deceived. They were believing the wrong thing. He said, he said who did this to you? Now, you, it, without going into this whole book, their issue was this. They have, had gone from salvation by grace, which is the only way that salvation comes, and they had slipped back into works and legalism. And Paul is coming to them and saying, are you stupid? Well, you, but you guys are a bunch of idiots. You are fools. You're telling me you went from grace where you get it for free and it's by God's power to now you're going back into legalism? You like that? How dumb can you get? Who has messed with your mind, man, that you should do this? But it's interesting to me that it came through people. They weren't just cruising along one day and just serving the Lord and walking in grace and all of a sudden, dip, went into legalism. There were people that came to them with words that were untrue. Someone stuck something in their food, man. And they started preaching. And how many understand this? If I come to you, if I came to you and, and I was preaching 100% pure, unadulterated truth, which I am, by the way best of my ability truth and then I came in the next week and I preached a hundred percent pure lies I think probably the vast majority of everyone would go what is this hopefully everybody would be like eh, you know what is this is wrong I'm not what happened to him but this is not right but what happened Think it, it came through people, so what likely took place is it was 95% true and 5% legalism, opposite of grace. It was works, and, and they worked that in. And over time, the percentage got a little bit more, and they worked it in more and more until people's minds were deceived. And they're slipping back into something that makes Paul comes in from the outside and says, you have got to be kidding me. What are you guys doing? What are you thinking here? And they're going, what? What's wrong? We're just the same as always. <laughs> no, you're not. This is why it's good to have an outside, outsider's perspective from time to time. Hmm? It's good to not rely upon your own personal study for everything. Well, I can read the Word of God. Certainly you can and you should. Well, I can pray and hear from God. Certainly you can and you should. But you need to realize God put you in a body. And He put leaders in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And this is one of the reasons. So they can look and by the Spirit and by the anointing of God be able to declare and point some things out. Because sometimes we get in our little bubble and we think, well, it's just, everything's good. Everything's the same. No, you've drifted. No, you've let this area slack. You're doing good here, but this area you're missing. You're missing out, and God will send someone along to help perfect that which is lacking in you. Amen. I know sometimes I'll listen to another person, and they just approach 
a particular subject from the Word of God from a totally different perspective and angle than I had been looking at it. And, and, I've, and I've studied sometimes some of the same scriptures for years and looked at them over and over again, and all of a sudden they bring it from this other angle, and I think, well, wow. <laughs> well, look at that. So it, it happens from outside of yourself by the Spirit. See, this is one of the ways the Lord helps us. Amen. And so these people were deceived. And, uh, but understand, he said, that you st- they stopped obeying the truth. Truth must be obeyed. The moment I stop acting on truth, I open myself up to believing a lie. If I know something's right, and I say, well, I'm not going to do it, or I'm going to get around to it someday, or I just put it on the back shelf, I've just opened myself up to deception. When you know something, i gotta, I got to challenge you. i got to exhort you today. Do it. If you know you're supposed to do something, do it. Don't keep putting it off because it won't be long till what you believe that what you were supposed to do wasn't even true. Galatians 5. Again here, verse 7. He said, Galatians 5, 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You ran, in other words, it's like a race that you're in. Their life is like a race. They said, you were doing good. You guys were running well. But what happened, man? Who came in here and hindered you? Someone hindered you from obeying the truth, and now you're not running well. Now you're not obeying the truth anymore. And we need to recognize that this is a possibility in our day. What are we doing to stay on track? What are we doing to keep truth before our eyes so that if something false comes up, we say, oh, no, no, that's not right. What are we doing so we know this doesn't taste like chicken? <laughs> What did you say this was? <laughs> That's the chicken. I'm not quite sure. That doesn't taste like chicken to me. And someone says, no, this is the will of God. Uh, I'm not sure about that. That doesn't taste like God to me. There's something about that that doesn't seem right. And we can actually absolutely become discerning in this. Look at Second Timothy with me. How can we know the truth? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1, of course, says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. It's our day. What's supposed to happen? Perilous times. All right? Without going through all the list, let's go down to verse 13. He says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. What happens in our days? This is what happens. Evil men and fake people, imposters, are going to get worse and worse. They're going to be deceiving people, and they're going to be deceived themselves. Amplified says, let's see, of that verse, but wicked men and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and leading astray others, and being deceived and led astray themselves. We've got to know this is characteristic of our time. Verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. 
Notice what's the solution. He said, there's people out there. They're bad and they're getting worse. They're deceived and they're deceiving others. And they're going down and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. But you, here's the solution. This is what you should do. You should continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of. What you know is right. You've got to continue with that. Keep that before your eyes. Keep that going through your mind. Keep it as a way of life. If you'll continue in that, you won't be deceived. Look over at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I know this, one of the biggest frustrations in ministry is when you want to help people and you see change take place. You see them make a decision, but then you don't see follow through. You see someone come to the Lord, but you don't see them continue. Listen, none of us are going to make it without a continuing spirit about us. Without a, I'm going to receive this from God and I'm going to continue to walk with Him. If we don't do that, we remain unstable, we remain untaught, and we will twist the Word of God whenever it comes to us. A person must be consistent. A person must continue with what they began with. In John 8 and verse 32, you know this, Jesus speaking said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The question is, though, who's you? He said, you shall know. Who is you? I want to know if you is me. <laughs> Isn't that important to know? <laughs> if I write a letter to you, that mean I wrote it to you. I want to know who you are. And verse 31 gives us the help, gives us the answer that we need. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, and even though they say, well, that's not us. Well, the principle works for us here. He said, if you... Abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And, in other words, the only way that I'm going to get to a place where I know the truth, and that truth makes me free, is if I will first abide in his word, and by that, of course, become a disciple of his. I'm not just a Hey, hey, Lord, how's it going? Good word. <laughs> Appreciate that message. Way to go, Lord. You're the man. No, if you abide, or some translations say, if you continue in my word. Not just I heard it. Yeah, that was awesome, man. That was good. See ya. And that's the approach so many take. Yeah, they're genuinely excited when they hear something from the Lord. I mean, they're not being fake, not being phony. They're genuinely happy about receiving good things from God. Hearing His Word, it ministers to them, it helps them, but then they go their way. And they don't continue with it. And it's not long till all they have is a memory. Oh yeah, that was good. What was it? Don't know. They didn't continue in the Word. They didn't continue in truth. And now they're vulnerable. Now they're untaught. That's, I mean, that's instability, uh, you know, defined right there. I hear it, and I'm out of there. But it's continuing in the Word that allows a person to know the truth. 
And that truth makes them free. Unless we keep the things of God, His very word which Jesus said is truth, before our eyes, we will drift away and we will replace it with the ways of man. We'll replace it with what seems right. We'll use our brains and say, well, this seems right. But how many know Proverbs says, there's a way that seems right unto a man and the end leads to death. And so I don't want to live by, well, this seems right to me. I want to know what is the truth? I want to know what does thus saith the Lord? What has he said about this situation or this circumstance? That's going to guide my life. And so in closing here tonight, let me just encourage you. There, you know, I got more scriptures and things. Old Testament talked about how, how we should uh, take truth and mercy and bind them around our our neck and write them on the tablet of our heart truth must be so valuable and important to you that you keep it tight with you that's proverbs 3 3 and over in deuteronomy chapter 6 when he commanded the children of israel uh, some of the, the things that he wanted them to do he said listen you've got to teach this stuff to your kids you've got to talk about this stuff when you sit down you got to you got to talk about this around a dinner table i want you to write it on your doorposts and and i want you to bind it to you and they use all this stuff that they understood about, about keeping things before them at all times he said you've got to remember what i'm telling you what happens when people don't deception moves in they open themselves up they become vulnerable to things that are false you understand now that all this was prefaced. If you missed the messages, go get them. Was prefaced by this. There are some things that are absolutely true, and there are others that are absolutely false. If we're blending them, we're gonzo already. But once you and I recognize there are things that are true for all people of all time, and that's the only logical, it's the only way that things, things are, once I recognize that, I can't just be happy with it. Yeah, I know. Some things are true and some, some things are false. Well, you've got to know them. You've got to know them. It's so valuable, so important, so important that you know them personally, that you can call things, you can call a spade a spade yourself. You can call things right and call things wrong and not feel guilty or intimidated about it, intimidated because someone else is going to think you're mean-spirited because you call them wrong. No, I love you. You're wrong. And the truth will set you free. If, what? You know it. How can I know it? I've got to continue in it. I've got to abide in His Word. And then it happens. Then it works in me. Amen. A lot of deception in our day. And we are going to safeguard ourselves from it. Not only are we not going to go off the deep end, we're going to continue to advance more and more in understanding and knowledge of God's ways and His will and who He is. And we're going to walk in a greater level of freedom than we ever have before. We're going to be able, like we talked about last time, be able to worship God in spirit and in truth because we know Him and we know what He likes and we know His ways. Amen. Father, thank You tonight so much for every single person here. Lord, and I ask that you would help them and help me, help us to see those things that we need to see. Reveal yourself unto us, I pray. And as we study your word, as we study truth, I thank you that it becomes alive in us. And it brings freedom and it brings direction. And it is a safety net to keep us from going into areas of, 
uh, of deceit and things that are false. Thank you for helping us. Hearkening to your voice. We listen to your word and we acknowledge you in all of our ways. Thank you. You lead us into life. You lead us in the pathway that's right. We trust you in this. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for those today who've never been saved. I pray for those who've come to service tonight and not on their way to heaven.